Welcome back to The Vibe, guys. I am so excited to have one of my college friends on The Vibe today. We go way back. <laughs> Meeting at the University of Arizona in 2009, bopping around and literally living our best lives in the desert, going to the mountains for sunsets. I say this because I believe our environment molded us and we are so lucky to have gone to such a fun and beautiful school. Can't say everyone made it out alive like we did, but I also don't know how many people who chose the, who would choose the sunset over the bar. I'm super excited to, sh to introduce to you my girl and one of my great friends, Lizzie Cozy on The Vibe. Lizzie has really paved her way through the CBD and marijuana industry, a topic that I always love talking about. And actually two years ago, Lizzie and I got to collaborate together on our own CBD meditation event and teach people about CBD, the culture and everything that comes with it. Now, a few years later, Lizzie is breaking glass ceilings in the cannabis industry and I can't wait for her to share everything. Lizzie, I would love if you could introduce yourself. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Lex. Of course. Um, let's see. I, well, I'm Lizzie Cozy. <laughs> I'm owner of The Social Lizard. It's a, basically a creative company um, specializing in photography, art, but more so trying to connect the community through creativity, collaboration, and basically anything that can just enrich our lives with art, health and wellness, you name it. So yeah, social lizard. <laughs> <laughs> My little social lizard. So Lizzie, since we did go to college together, I have some first sight intel on the vibe of a human you are. But let's be real, we were like the type of people who brought charcuterie boards to the mountains stoned before we even knew what a charcuterie board was. <laughs> and that I honestly attest to you fully because that was totally your thing to bring multiple cheeses to the to the mountains. I like don't like no one will understand except you. We literally would and almost every Friday, like just be alone, somber going to the mountains. And I think that that was really where you and I got really, really close of being like, we don't need everyone else. Let's just go yeah. with our cheese to the mountain. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, you've always, to say the least, you've always been a super creative human. Can you give everyone a deep dive on your company, how it began and, you know, kind of like the who, what, when of it all, Yeah. because you've really gone like in, you've, you've always escalated, but it started out very differently than you are today yeah no absolutely so growing up born and raised in um chicago suburbs and have lived tucson with you mm -hmm. and then san diego and then san rafael which is just 20 miles north of san francisco north bay and then boulder colorado this past year and then back to san diego so <laughs> if that's any indication of you know, you say escalating, but sometimes it feels like two steps forward, one step back, whether you feel like you're, you know, moving backwards in life or forward. But, um, yeah, it's, it's been quite a journey. Like you nailed it. College where we live did mold me because I found myself itching to get back to the mountains, itching to get back to sunshine and palm trees and adventure so it definitely did mold me and I did have some trouble in like Boulder being landlocked, not by the ocean. Yeah. I found that part about myself that I need the ocean. So just kind of finding a, a career path that also jives with my personal lifestyle choices has can been- you, Can you tell everyone what you were studying to go to school for? And like, cause it's very different than what you're doing now. 
well, but it psychology. all it all comes back to it. And I and yeah. don't worry, I have this written down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, psychology, sociology. Like we took some incredible classes together. But <laughs> in hindsight, I'm like, wait, I should have been paying a little more attention because like it's coming full circle in life now. Like dealing with just other people and like psyche and the conscious and just all the things that go into it and how how to like be a people person by running your own business 100 percent, and understanding other people's you know perspectives and needs and yeah definitely definitely interesting I went to school for psychology and then what the thing is though it when you kind of look at the trajectory from college it makes sense like I went from studying psychology to then wanting to help you know underprivileged children specifically with just some needs like extra needs like don't worry that's my next that's my next one up right now (laughs) oh the question yeah so but then it leads me to these people needing plant medicine so it's like it does make sense if you know yeah I went to school for this did I get a job right out as a psychiatrist psychologist no but like I feel like I found this um weird hybrid where I can still do the things I love like that while getting high one (laughs) I love you and one I love that you also like embedded that your environment plays such a role into like where you want to live and be and how you want to live and be because I think you know as you, as I have, I went to LA and then Hawaii and then New York and, you know, I'm still on the trajectory of figuring it out, but, you know, I'll be the first to say there is nothing like being in, like, that's why I think it's really special that we didn't even know at our school what it was going to offer to us besides a party world. We literally, like, got to see the most beautiful cliffs and sunsets and everything, like, and the the amount of, like, talks we'd have and, like, cry and, like, it was, it was such a different, it was such a, you could have, you could have had two experiences at Arizona and, like, if you didn't get that part of it, then you did something wrong. And that's probably why you didn't make it out alive. Anyway, on to my next question, though. Um, I remember in college you wanted to help children with autism. And you did that on your own method. Can you talk about before we get into the cannabis industry? I literally remember us in our public speaking class and you talking about this on your project. About how CBD was going to help children with autism. I fully remember it. Because I did one on how cannabis is like should be legal. (laughs) Straight up. You did. You did. Um, that's actually a great memory. I don't, <laughs> I, I'm like, wait a second, you're kind of bringing back some memories. But yeah, I um went on to be an ABA uh, therapist for children with autism. First, it was adults with autism. Um, ABA is just applied behavioral analysis. So yeah. it's like running trials on behaviors and understanding where, you know, there's a breakthrough. How can we facilitate more growth in that area? And where there was like a threshold, how do we not... Um, you know, push buttons and, and overstep. So I just found, yeah, it, I didn't really have much freedom with the adults with autism. That's kind of a deeply, you know, it's just like, um, not trying, not with like trying to teach an old dog new tricks. Oh, no, like but yeah, that doesn't apply. But at the same time, you do want to be respectful that these people are older than you. 
you know, 45 to 60 and I'm a 23 year old and am I going to come here and change the wheel? Like probably not, but can I enrich their lives? So there was this fine line of like, how do I apply everything I just learned about psychology and mental health and, you know, what disease and illness really is? Um, Like the word disease is dis-ease, you know, you're not at ease, whether it's in your body, in your mind, is all interwoven but like how do I enrich these lives of people that are not at ease and it was like teaching simple cooking things like putting in um you know eggs and veggies into a ziploc bag and putting it in boil boiling water and it turns into an omelet or like making little cakes in mugs putting all the ingredients and then putting in the microwave it's not the healthiest but when you're working on the south side of Chicago it's what you got and (laughs) you know like I, with adults, that was kind of my role, just teaching yoga, like tree pose, honestly, was everyone's favorite because you could extend your branches however you wanted and be funky. And like, I really did see smiles on the faces um, from those simple things, but it wasn't until I had um, like four-year-old to eight-year-old clients out here in San Diego that their parents were open to CBD and, and cannabis. Right. And that's where really, for me, the game changed because I had this one client that when the sun was out, he was scared to go outside because it meant bees and he didn't like the dogs in the house and he would get just overwhelmed and throw tantrums and, you know, basically he just couldn't communicate to everyone what he needed. And his mom got to the point where she was just like, I need my son to just have some semblance of a childhood. Totally. Like, I'm desperate. And I was like, there's these Chiba Chews. We can break off a Chiba Chews? You always Chiba listen? Chiba. What up? Wait, for real? <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. They always send, they're the, they're the best. They always send me things and, like, they're really the best. That's awesome. So, okay, dude, that was like no sponsorship. This Literally, is no spot. I wish they no would fucking sponsor me. But I love you, Chiba Chews. Um, no, but that's so, it's so true. It's like people, I mean, you know, I'm not even going to get into this, but, you know, people nowadays are microdosing shrooms and mushrooms. And it's so similar to that, I would assume, of like in, in force, not enforcing, but like a, a dosage, a tiny baby, baby, yes. baby dosage. Uh, maybe you take a quarter of the Chiba Chew, whatever it may be, but it makes such a difference. Totally. And especially with someone that doesn't have a tolerance yet and where like their endocannabinoid system maybe hasn't even been activated yet and how disease and illness comes from just that very notion, like not having an entire system activated that actually the endocannabinoid system activates all the others. We never learned about it in school. We were taught all the other systems. We were totally neglected of this knowledge until we do our own research. And totally. find out homeostasis comes from that system being activated. Your other systems are not going to be at homeostasis without cannabinoids. They're in breast milk, they're in food, they're in the fucking air, they're in wine, they're in beer, they're in everything. And it's similar to shrooms. Like, fungi is everywhere. It's actually the basis of life and consciousness. So I'm talking, he took a pinky nail size, <laughs> like a, cho- a mini chocolate chip, and it was our routine every afternoon. Here was his little cooking. We grabbed a little chocolate chip cookie dough, like the ones you can just get, break it off 
he gets one cookie after lunch and he would put the little chibachu in it. He felt like he was, you know, cooking, being yeah. a part of it. Put it in the oven, what, 20 minutes, 18 minutes. Um, he eats this cookie. Flash forward like two weeks. Mind you, this eight-year-old was on Respiral and a quarter of a Xanax because that's what Big Pharma thinks is the answer to autism. <laughs> so, so not okay? So not okay. So not okay. Eight-year-old? Eight-year-old. On like, Xanax. On Xanax and Respiral, which is like powerful shit. Like, look it up. It's powerful. It's not meant for just let's try this out it's meant for knowing the root of something and here is something that will help these doctors did not know the root we got to the root we literally made these cookies he well i'll tell you this two weeks in he um i love you mom and dad how can i help wanting to go outside wanting the dogs to no longer live in the garage well it's not fair they should live inside literally coming to his core his like all these things that have just been calcified or built up with like man-made medicine that i'm not knocking all western medicine but there's a time and a place and with an eight-year-old boy with autism like he needs to be able to slow down he needs to be able to focus on one feeling at a time and not be so overwhelmed with his sensory yeah you know his different sensories around him so it's like it allowed him to slow down, to feel, to enjoy, to laugh, to sleep. He honestly, like his sleep increased. And I talked to his mom. I talked to her often, but I think it was last year that she reached out. And it's around the anniversary of when I started helping them. And that was in June and June of 2015. And um, she'll just be like, calls me Miss Lizzie. Miss Lizzie, we think about you. Um, her son never forgets your birthday. He always will on October 2nd. It's Miss Lizzie's birthday. And they'll reach out and she's like, I just want to let you know he's still on that same dose from 2016 when I eventually moved on from that job. And I'm I actually want to ask you how, what, what, made you decide to leave doing ABA work and going into the actual cannabis industry? Because I'm assuming that I would, again, I know you, I love you. There's reasons I don't ask certain questions because I save it for these perfect moments. But what made you decide, okay, as much as I'm helping people here, I need to go into the other, into the back end of this because... What, like, was that moment for you where the you were catalyst. like... Yeah, like, what was the moment where you were like, okay, I'm going to enter the cannabis space now? Because that's my um, that'll lead to my next question. But how did you decide, okay, I got... Not I got to get out of here because I know it's for a greater purpose. But yeah. what was that moment that you were like, okay, I need to, like... I, I can do more here. Yeah, I... That's a good question. Because, honestly, it wasn't as, like, glamorous as it sounds. I actually... Um, that family story is really unique. And I got to the point, so I was working, let's see, I graduated 2013. I got that job before winter. So I had, I've been working with adults and children with autism since 2013. And I walked away in 2016. And it wasn't for any of the clients. It actually was because of the 
lack of resources, lack of education, lack of opportunity, lack of passion in that industry. Um, That one client story, like I said, is really unique. In a lot of other households, you got to think like, um, it's, it's difficult. Honestly, some people don't know what to do with autism. They don't know how to respond to their kid behaving like this or, you know, um, you know, not speaking, um, not having motor skills, not having a zest for life, not caring to be a part of the family. And it can be really challenging for the family, especially, but then coming in and trying to be part of the family to try to integrate these like behavior plans with the family. You know, I didn't speak Spanish at the time and I would use a translator and with my Hispanic families that were so amazing and always eager to learn and meet me in the middle and try to figure out how we can communicate best and they would laugh through it and my translator and all yeah. this stuff. <laughs> but it's just, it got to a point where I had to say to myself, I need to protect my energy and what I can do and and it can only go so far. And I really did in hindsight, I didn't get into the cannabis industry straight out of ABA. I actually like got into um, marketing and like like branding, marketing, photography. And then that led me to being like, I want to give cannabis CBD a voice and help mm-hmm. these guys get their message out, get their branding out, get their marketing out, get their, you know, their, their story yeah. out because maybe I can help these families by working to destigmatize. hundred percent. I love that. You know? Now getting into the cannabis state, cannabis state cannabis space where does one start and hey this is coming from a stoner herself I have no idea where to begin they do know how to smoke but how did you like how does one really like get themselves and I know you talked about photography and marketing and whatnot which I'm sure is where you met so many connections but how does one actually like really get started in that industry um get started in it I honestly would say like play to your strengths like what what have you been, you know, what has your experience been in this life? Like, was it working with numbers? Like, are you a finance guy? Are you a logistics guy? Are you a creative gal? Are you like, do you, what are your strengths? Because it's an industry just like any other industry. Like you have the famous musicians, you have the entire band, you have the manager, then you have the tour bus driver. Then you have the people that, you know, plan for all that. Like, there's so many arenas of an industry. So I would just recommend, like, don't try to do something you've never done. Yeah. Because, and not trying to say, like, oh, stay in a comfort zone. But if you're trying to get into an industry that you have a calling to, play to your strengths. And, like, that's what I did. Like, I, at the time, had one camera my dad had gifted me. It didn't even have a lens. It was a Canon PowerShot G16. It had a zoom. <laughs> it, like, it was the best camera I recommend to start with because it's point and shoot, and it's kind of awesome for just – it's light, and 
I just started with that and I played to my strengths. I love taking photos. I love listening to people's story. I love writing. I love connecting people. I love sitting in a room and just listening and like just letting someone tell their story, their truths, their fears, their desires, their dreams. And like, I get so inspired. I get so like a fire lit under my ass. So I was just like, if I can go to these cannabis farms, shoot the shit with these farmers that have a completely different life than me, but make them feel beautiful, comfortable, heard, heard. Yes. Honored, valued. You know, someone actually cares yeah. about what you're doing. And doesn't look at it as just you're a stoner, you grow pot. Like that's like yeah. such a such a thing when it's like it's it's a science. It's a work. It's it's not easy. Like I know that yeah. just from going to grow houses and seeing it myself. But yeah. some people look at it and they're like, That's a street drug and it's like, No, it's Mother Earth. Oh my god, yeah. And then the the shit that you gotta put into like it's not for the weak hearted. Like but I it's will say, I will say, do you feel like the idea of smoking weed has become like that it being bad or weird has become destigmatized a little? And that leads me to my next question. Yeah. Which yeah, is the cannabis industry has changed a lot since you started. Instead of talking about the last ten years, I figured why not educate our listeners on what's actually come to fruition in this last year because this presidency and election period has absolutely changed the game. I mean, in like a one month, three or four states were fully legalized out of the blue. So I would love yeah. to know, by no means is this to get political, but a lot has changed in this past year cannabis-wise. So I'd love for you okay. to tell us on your end, since you're obviously more knowledgeable on that. Can you tell us about that? Um... Yeah, I mean, I have so much to say. Like, pot is actually so political because, and we humans made it political. Honestly, this plant would grow on her own without a human in sight. So my, like, MO is to treat this plant like the boss bitch independent woman she is. We kind of came in. Reagan made the war on drugs what it is. It was a catalyst to scare the shit out of people you've seen the commercials like this is what you look like after you smoke pot you're like a fucking deflated balloon on the Literally. couch it it was to put black and brown people behind bars it was to scare people about the mexican border it was to keep big pharma pumping pharmaceuticals into our bloodstream it was to make money off of private prisons it was to go against our 13th amendment that you cannot hold anyone as a slave unless they commit a crime well cannabis is a crime now you're behind bars you're a slave because you were getting a little high on your lunch break you're a chef in chicago and you're in the alley and lo and behold you're now behind bars your family is suffering your kids are suffering your wife your girl whatever is suffering because it is political and the war on drugs is one of the most political movements because there's a reason there's still 3 million, for the most part, black and brown men behind bars for this plant. So while in the last year, there has been tons of movement because all of a sudden it's a essential business, but it's still a schedule <laughs> one drug next to heroin, but it's a lifesaver for some, but it's a death sentence for others. This shit is twisted. And we need to dismantle the systemic racism, but also that this plan is not is not your money maker like 100%. and i'm talking 
you know, like how much money is each state making off of rec or medical cannabis? Like it's in the headlines all the time, like multi, multi millions talking a month, like a week. So where is this money going? And that's a whole other thing because we don't need it going to the general attorney's office. We don't need it going back into the hands of the very people that have oppressed entire races for this plant. So if we want to actually make strides forward, we need to destigmatize, but we need to dismantle these systems. We need to free people from behind bars. Like we cannot have certain NFL teams, NBA teams, MLB teams not testing for it while their neighbors behind bars for it. That shit is twisted. So it's like this presidency ain't going to fix it. The next ain't going to fix it. But I am hopeful that the more we see and the more we research and the more we learn and the more we experience by using this plant, whether it be hemp or cannabis, um, you know, this really is medicine and it really is a superfood and it needs to be treated as such and it does not need to be monopolized, even though it will be. and And I hope people do realize, like when you said it's an essential business, like, like shops, weed shops have been open throughout this entire time. Like they're literally deemed essential. Yes. Like people like, who work at the yes. cannabis shops are getting their COVID vaccines because they are essential workers. They're, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's really crazy. I, I feel like, like, you know, I feel like whenever I talk to people about smoking or whatever, and I feel a la- a, a one moment of judgment, I'm like, you literally can't judge me because there's a whole, first of all, it's now, it's legal in New York, fully legal. So I'm like, there, it, you can't judge I don't judge people for sm- I don't I don't judge people for smoking cigarettes although I don't like it. I don't judge people. Sure. It's it's legal. It's I it's do. your I mean listen, I do too, but like, you know, for the sake of for whatever if, if if that's your vice, so yeah. be it. So for, fucking for sure. be it. But if I, I felt it was really important because I feel like the general world who isn't a stoner like you or I has been enlightened a lot even by Kim Kardashian Absolutely. going and and being like this guy's been in jail for 35 years for selling weed. Like, yes. this, he cannot yep. be there long Absolutely. enough. And I'm even so happy that, again, I'm a Kardashian lover, but I'm so proud that, like, people have spoken up about that. I've been like, people can't yeah. go go to death row because they... Using their voice, knowing that there's 32 million people in jail. You know, people yeah, and speak. also that there's that many people in jail for just that one thing that people can do legally. Do you know what Literally. I mean? It's, That's it's, what I was going to say. Like, you and I were smoking... L's that you would roll up in 10 seconds on top of Mount Lemon, freely going deep with each other, growing, learning, sharing, crying, laughing, while there's people that are dreaming of an opportunity like that to even sit amongst a friend on top of a mountain Literally. and don't know and don't get information about their bail or their case or just treated like fucking dogs, worse than dogs. Like 100%. Place. And, and that is and the it's, point. And it's totally crazy. And that's why it was important for me to bring it up because I feel now more than ever, because I am vocal about the about smoking, I feel like now people are like, oh, it's legal here. It's legal there. It's legal here. Like all of a sudden it's legal. So now I'm not going to yeah. judge it. And yeah. I yeah. love that. I think that that's great. But I'm also like, you should have never judged it before. Hey, I feel you. I mean, it's been a long time coming. Like just even where we grew up, like growing up in the Midwest, my mom has 
eight siblings, you know, Persian siblings that are opinionated and have their, you know, their norms. So how they grew up and and then you come in here and you get busted for smoking weed at a family party with your cousins and like you're the the Satan of the family. I've been Satan of the family. Dude, I'm not are you kidding? I couldn't like underage drink a beer without my whole family being like, she is an alcoholic. I'm like, I'm a kid. I'm like 18. Like, like I just want to try a beer, guys. Like, let I me want to try a, like, shitty warm Heineken from, like, the downstairs basement and be left alone. No, really. I, I couldn't agree more. I just thought it was important to bring that up because I feel people are just starting to learn about this. And they're just Absolutely. starting to grasp it. So it's, you know, since I had you, I was like, I want to get her, like, little spiel on that. And I want to know something else is how has, since we were talking about that this is an essential, deemed an essential business, how yeah. has the cannabis space been affected since COVID? Um. Well, as you know, Nick, my husband, has a 15,000-square-foot med and rec grow in Boulder. And... Colorado cannabis is much different than California. So spending the last four years in California, four and a half, and then moving to Boulder for basically like COVID, we were March to October. We didn't have plans and didn't get out because of it. We knew we needed to be close to the business, but then like the world shuts down, but our grow is essential. Yeah. (laughs) So it was this shift in like, okay, we got to go. Like we got to like, it is our time to nail this shit down hone it in and nick has like just been such a like warrior through this shit because it's like he's never done this the guy's 30 yeah he he doesn't have a degree he literally said fuck it to the norms of like corporate america again realized that like this is not in line with the life he chose i'm gonna beat all odds and start my own business with no prior experience. I mean, he worked for a microbial nutrient company for cannabis, but also for like Driscoll Farms. Yeah. It just helps uptake phosphorus in whatever you're growing, which makes it all around better amongst several other things. But he just got in through that, you know, that way of coming from a microbial nutrient, seeing these farms, seeing these growers, seeing what they're doing on this mass scale. And he's like, dude, I got to do this. Like, this is my calling and not to grow himself. He wants to facilitate. Yeah. He wants to like employ people, get like his people that he's seen, you know, be ride or dies, be hard workers, be committed to growth, able to amplify them and get them paid and get them paid for their passions and so that's been his like passion project is to just destigmatize and I was gonna say like you're doing it like with this podcast you're doing it as you see like people are waking up then you're doing a good job because one of the biggest pills to swallow is like not everyone's gonna wake up when you wake up and not everyone's gonna see what you see but if you can just facilitate destigmatizing the plant by living your life leading by example not abusing it yeah not fucking broken blunts when there's kids around and behaving like a, you know like responsibly it's like how people say drink responsibly yes exactly yes. the same thing literally smoke responsibly like don't if you know someone is on a park bench and seems disturbed by the smoke like separate yourself but honestly a bunch of stoners like we have that like just kind of like those manners like we're not doing it to like blow it in your face we're doing it because this is our medicine and it's real and like 
I don't know. I think this year and this year especially, there was like a clash of the old world and the new world pertaining to the war on drugs and cannabis. Like we, cannabis isn't a schedule one drug anymore. At the time we were deemed essential, it was. But I think through seeing, okay, wait, if fucking mom and pop restaurants, all of these other small businesses that grocery stores just that aren't Whole Foods or Walmart or Costco are closed down like there must be something here there there must be something here and there is something here these are lifesavers to these people whether it's an edible or flower or extract or topical these are lifesavers to people that have awoken to plant medicine as an alternative to probably what they've been fed their whole lives so this past year, huge strides, but we still need justice. And um, that really just comes down to people being released from jail because of the same plant white men are making millions off of. 100 million percent. And honestly, I want to thank you for being super honest. And I know that's sometimes not an easy not easy to talk about politics and racism yeah. and all of those things but that is something that comes with this territory majorly totally. so i i really like, appreciate you it. being honest about that because i think you know it's re- it's it's really tough to like talk about things that some people absolutely will not agree with which is fine people may listen to this and still not agree but the <laughs> all i want is to educate in the best yeah. way that i possibly can and i really appreciate totally. you for like doing it in the most kind sense that one can Thanks. so moving forward and kind of ending this a little bit what's the best piece of advice you've been given best piece of advice i've been get it given <clears throat> um one piece of advice that has stuck with me um throughout i don't know when my dad said it but i think he was like down in his basement he's a photographer he's down in the basement working I used to like go sit in on his dark room he would turn our laundry room into a dark room and develop film and I was so interested so I would like hang out he'd give me 20 bucks to label prints as like a little job when I was like 10 I was just around it and I think he like turned to me and said work the hardest when you're the youngest and I was like oh but when you're the youngest like you don't want to work hard you don't even know what you want to do I remember having pushback in my mind but it never left my mind and it has never been more relevant to now because I am still young I'm 30 but I'm I'm young and I feel young and I feel healthy and I'll just be like on a flight out or a flight home and I'm still flying during all this shit I'm respectful I, I wear my mask I keep my space but like I got a dude. I have a business. We're essential in Colorado. I just got back from Denver yesterday. And, and sometimes I just am tired and feel burnt out. And I'm like, Oh, I just like, and just with the collective consciousness and the energy of everything that's gone on the last year, I'm just like, I get burnt out. And then that thought comes to my mind of like, work the hardest when you're the youngest, because Like this is hustling and it doesn't come easy and it doesn't always feel like a hotel bed that smells like lavender. It's like, (laughs) it's like some real shit. Like when you're out there getting it and like, 
not needing to make a sound, like not needing to prove it to anyone, just doing it for yourself and doing it for your family. It, it's, it can definitely burn you out, but that's stuck in my mind. And then I did have a older woman that's like a mentor, sister, best friend to me, shout out Becca. Um, she like built her house off uh, the coast of Maine, like handmade her home. Oh my God. Like she's just such a badass, and she's just so, so present and grounded and raw and real. And she's been through some shit. And she always told me that it doesn't matter who the fuck likes you, who approves of you, who approves of your lifestyle, who approves with every move you make. As long as you wake up and go to sleep with someone you're proud of, meaning yourself, or <laughs> maybe the person next to you, because that goes in line, yeah. like, that's all that matters. And that's had to really stick with me this last year, too, because during these times with different beliefs and different perspectives and different energies and different approaches to sharing and speaking, it's like you can get wrapped up in you know, people pleasing and, and kind of like curtailing your life to, to make others feel comfortable. Like we've discussed in the past and, yeah. um, that's, you know, that's really de-selfing and, and if you're going to be your best version and then be the best version for your closest circle, like you gotta, you gotta like who you are and you gotta appreciate when you look in the mirror like what you do and what you share with the world and how you handle yourself during challenging times, during difficult times, during adversity. Like who are you when the world turns its back on you? Because if, because that's kind of what people are feeling right now. Like, but if you can't sit with yourself and love the person that you are, shit's going to be complicated and messy. And, and that's where growth comes. But honestly, that, that was the best piece of advice because I have found myself just trying to make myself small to make others comfortable and make myself, you know, self-deprecate to make others comfortable. And it's like, no, bitch, I'm stepping into my power. I know who I am. I know what I deserve. Rise up and meet me. Or we go our separate ways and like all love, like no bad beef all love like that's what I'm practicing and not in the woo woo nothing but peace and love because there is a time for righteous anger and fighting absolutely but I'm on this path of like yo if I love myself that is enough for me and it honestly like it works <laughs> so on the contrary to that and let's keep it like two sentences what's the toughest <laughs> lesson you've learned so far because I don't like to harp on like the like tough part but I do like for people to know toughest lesson I've learned so far um this one comes very easy for me the people that have been the closest to you the people that have been around the longest aren't always the best people for you and I learned that Hard. I I couldn't agree more with that at all whatsoever. And I think so many people get stuck in like, well, we've been friends for 20 yes. years. We've been this yes. for 20 years. And I, I could not agree. Listen, I make I could make a friend five days ago that I feel has such yes. importance to me as somebody that I've known as long as you from college. Yep. 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 
Couldn't agree more with you. What is something that you would tell 21-year-old Lizzie about growing up in this world and life that you wish you had known then that you know now? 21-year-old Lizzie. Yeah, like straight out of college. So she's like blacked out at yeah. a dive bar. Totally. Crying. Okay. Yes. Um, at a dive bar crying. Playing Big Buck Hunter on 4th Street. Okay. Got it. Scene is set. Um, I would tell 21-year-old Lizzie. Um, you know what? I would just say go after your passions as if you could not fail. I love that. Because I honestly think the only way, and this is only from my experience, I'm not preaching, um, the only way to build a meaningful life is to figure out what you're passionate about and then figure out how to get paid for doing what you're passionate about as means of an income. I love that. What can we expect from the cannabis industry in the future? What is the future of cannabis? (laughs) it's a loaded one I know (laughs) well it's like it is important though because like what are we doing if we're not envisioning what the future should look like um a lot of decriminalizing a lot of legalization a lot of um you know farms like land being turned into hemp and cannabis farms like in you know outdoor states that can have outdoor um I think a lot of we need more um people of color in positions of power we need more women in positions of power we need more mom and pops Mm -hmm. getting investment not just the like chads of the industry and like the med men and all these like ignite like Dan Bilzerian. We all saw that six. That <laughs> Dan Bilzerian. <laughs> that my 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 podcast I did uh, two weeks ago. We were talking about how we met at a Dan Bilzerian party. <laughs> so that's oh. just hysterical that you just brought him up. Well, yeah, I mean, this is obviously seven years ago, like forever. Totally ago. <laughs> no, and no, literally, my girlfriend, like very good girlfriend in the industry, was at a Dan Bilzerian Halloween party, and it did not. <laughs> go so well so like I get it he was like cool and popular in LA and (laughs) has like all of his dad's like dirty money totally started a cannabis business and dude it it failed like he spent way too much money on you know just women posing with like cartridges in between their tits and like we know sex sells but hopefully what I envision for the future is getting back to our roots, getting back to like the mom and pops that have farms that have been shut down, whether by the feds, whether by the county, whether by their own neighbors being like, we can't stand the weed smell. It's like, dude, (laughs) there's much more smells. It like smells like, you're like, what about an engine from a fucking car? (laughs) What about like the skunk you ran over up the street that sits there for a week? Like, please, it literally smells like, cherry pie or like blueberry cake like (laughs) ice cream cake like you're good you'll be fine (laughs) you'll be fine but yeah I just I hope all the movements that have been in movement um just continue and I hope and we're working towards just evening the playing field like not only letting big money 
be big players. I think that is super important to make this industry what it honestly what nature in, intended with it. Like this is medicine. We need access to medicine. It doesn't need to be $90 for a half gram cartridge of live rosin. And it, listen, it I will I will be honest. This during this pandemic, I have seen more adults take edibles throughout this time than ever in my existence. And I'm not going to call anyone out, but <laughs> that, so, uh, lots, lots really personal. Um, <laughs> um, but you know, it's True. been, it's, I do feel that a lot of people's minds have been turned and maybe they don't want to physically do the act of smoking, but even taking, even being oh, open fine. to taking an edible, like people are, people That's are true. starting to open up to like, and these are people over yeah. 50. Yeah, and you don't need to smoke flour to get the benefits. A hundred percent. It it honestly, edibles and tinctures go into your bloodstream quicker than smoking. Smoking goes to your head, and when you digest something through your stomach, like especially people with like gut issues or like you know autoimmune disease, um, like topicals and edibles are going to be your best friend because it lasts longer. And it gets into that bloodstream. So it's like, it's all about finding what makes you comfortable to explore your own realm of consciousness about this plant. Like you're activating that EDC, your endocannabinoid system, um, EDC. ECD, EDC is literally electronic, like disco concert or some shit. I'm (laughs) dead. You have to get your EDC together. That's literally a concert. get your EDC ticket. I don't mind. (laughs) No, but straight up, it's all about finding what form of consumption works for you. And it could be different for everyone. And I celebrate that because it's just like wine. It's just like how you order your coffee. It's just like how you order your omelet. Do you like your sandwich toasted or not? Like it, we need to get to the point where we're looking at this superfood for what it is. Do you get milk in your coffee? 100,000%. Everyone likes things done. Everyone likes things done differently. Everyone likes to feel some type of way. And I personalization think too. Exactly. Like and, I think, and I think I I hope, I would hope that by the time my kids uh, you know, enter that world, let's say, I hope that they aren't judged for whatever they choose and how they choose Absolutely. for it to be. I, you know, I obviously hope things are way different then, but I think it's I love an, it though. That's the point, right? To have a future like I, I, I want to make sure not. that in this, like, I hope parents who listen are thinking, okay, I want my kids to be open with me about what they do when they do it and that totally. it is safe and that I'm knowledgeable of it. And, you know, sure, maybe 10 years ago, parents, and I say parents because those are the most judgmental people I've seen out there about this, but I hope parents really listen to this and hear that we're talking the same way we would about food or or our lives, wine. or working out, or anything. Exactly, yep. wine. Like, we you could sit here and talk about the... thing twice, about popping that bottle open, having two glasses, sharing it with someone you love. Their wine, I love wine to death, but straight, straight up booze is poison. It's why we get hungover, is our body being like, no more, help. I don't get hungover from weed. I get enlightened. Yeah. I get a fire under my ass. I go work out. I go clean the garage. I take my dogs. I, You know, I like it activates something in me. So it's like, if we can shift to like, I need a glass of wine after work being so normalized, right. which is totally fine. Do your thing. Whiskey, vodka, straight, do your thing. 
but don't discount that this is a thing. And 100%. someone using a joint is equally as adult, as equally as deserving, responsible, whatever you name it. Like, yeah, you can smoke a joint after work on your drive home from work. I don't give a fuck. Like, however you find peace, fine. Seek it out. It's up to you, you know? So I agree. I think parents are specifically like that age range, mine are really coming around to being like, okay, I've heard it, I've heard it, I've heard it, now I've tried it, and I kind of get it. Oh, same. My mom has fully, fully gotten to a place where she fully, fully, fully now understands and looks at it and doesn't think, oh, this is criminal behavior. She's like, she's like, this is... Like, I need this shit. Totally. She's like, and she also sees when I need it. You know, like, she sees the difference of moments when I'm like so distressed and upset and I'm like I'll be right back and I come back and she's like on it I'll never forget when she when we had a talk one day and she was like it's honestly crazy like that you went from a hundred to one and like you needed it and she was like and you didn't have to take a Xanax for that you didn't need to do anything you literally just needed a minute a breath and like a toke and like moving forward and she was like and I and it was like the first time not that I didn't feel judged but the first time that I was like well now moving forward I know she's not judging that that's what I do to make myself feel better yeah and your means of medicine is accepted and I fully and and this is just me putting this out there for the world but I fully I I take antidepressants and I fully lowered every every two months I lower the dosage because I'm getting better I'm yeah. getting better, and I think I say that because right now we're in such a mental health, like, fucked up. Everyone's feeling something, and I totally. hope that people know that, you know, you don't... I feel like right now people can get addicted to things really easily because of that, That's- and for me, I've been taking such an effort to be like, all right, Lex, it's super easy to, like, up that up that dose so that you don't get upset, yeah. but the truth is, is this is the world we're in, and I'm going to have to face it, and I'm not... Yeah. I, I can't be foggy. I can't be anything, but for an hour, I cannot, like, be thinking so in-depthly about this, you know? For an hour, you can be elevated above your body, able to, like, literally getting high. It's not getting grounded. Even though I can feel grounded when I get high, it's floating away just enough to look at the situation from a different perspective. hundred percent. That's what you mean by going from a hundred to one. Cause it's like a hundred when you're at a hundred, that's ego. That's I'm right. I need to be heard. You're wrong. That's ego. But, but you smoke some weed, you sit with yourself, you zoom out, look at the situation differently. That isn't ego. That's compassion. That's understanding. That's forgiveness. That's trust. That's, ta- like, that's taking time. Yeah. True. And you're not like blacking out and forgetting about it. You're literally sitting with it. Absolutely. And I think that's a concept that I hope people can take away from this is like people who smoke weed aren't, aren't, you know, running from their issues. They're calming themselves down. It's not about, it's it's, it's not, it's not about numbing. It's truly about being like, all right, I'm at a hundred. Let me get to where I belong because that's where I think rationally. Yeah. And yeah. I think people forget that. And, you know, I think that's where I want to end this is is on that note, because I think people need to understand that 
same way people have a little wine at the end of their night to maybe that's their way of looking at things more clearly later because they need to like let go of the whole fucking day yes yes people need to look at the cannabis industry in a similar sense and also again i'm sure if we were to sit here with a fact sheet and and an age list i'm sure you would say in the past year we have had uh xyz over 50 members come in because that is now people are seeking that people are seeing the truth of what medical marijuana can really do for people and that it is you know i i will say i think edibles are way more um uh i don't want to say the word liked but like liked by elders because it's yeah you know i think it's just the easier way um you do you don't have to smoke a joint with your kids maybe coming home and it smells and there's an like you can take a little pomegranate one-to-one cbd thc gummy that you're getting five milligram cbd five milligram thc which is the perfect balance for you and it's like your vitamins like you can be that adult that you so eagerly need to be and still have that elevated consciousness of i don't know my sister two little ones dude five-year-old two-year-old she it makes her a better mother Makes her more I, I, I want to leave it on that elevated consciousness because I, I feel like that. people, you know, I want to steer away from, even though I call myself a stoner, but it's like, yeah, you're in a place of like really elevating your mind, your brain. Hey, are there times that I literally just smoke because I want to? Yeah, of course. But are there so many times that I'm smoking because I know that it's going to lead me to a better place and to a better mindset or to be more calm? 100%. And I think that that's elevated consciousness couldn't be a better way for this to close out. And Lizzie, I honestly thank you so much for being real and open and honest. Because again, people feel taboo. People feel weird about talking about it. People feel, you know, sometimes I put stories up and I'm like, I'm so high right now. And, <laughs> and the amount of people who will be like super supportive, there's a ton of them. But there's also a good amount that are like, how could you put this out there? And I'm like, because I'm being real. And like yeah. the amount of you who aren't, like aren't living and like and you're exposed yeah ex- your response. totally so i'm like it's it's it really means a lot to me as a friend as just a human being as everything to give this knowledge to others and you know i don't have all of the knowledge about that in the way that you do even talking about the endocrinoid system and all, all of it i love the terminology i love everything about it and Above all, I feel really blessed and lucky that we have gotten to work together, which is bizarre. That we've literally, I got to be the meditation teacher and Lizzie got to teach about CBD in New York City. It's really like a, to for people to not notice how, how those two have so much in common connectedness to the earth is really wild. And as you saw at our event, it was a sold out packed event. People want to know. People want to I know want about that. that. Me too. Are we so ever bad. Have that again? I sure hope. I know Edison's in LA. <laughs> you know what? I was talking to him. That's Shout hysterical. Out Edison. Edison he's, he's coming down. He's, he's, like, I got he's the best. But, you know, again, like I said, I'm just really grateful. And I, Likewise, you know, I'm really sure. excited to see what the cannabis world has to offer next like I'm really excited for walls to be broken down and for people to get out of jail for being in there for selling like two grams of weed like it's it's time for that to change it's time for that to change and it's time to normalize with 2021 we are not in the 80s um we are we are not 
And I, again, I, I, I know it's not something that many people love to chat about. You and I do all the time. So I'm thankful that you were gracious enough to give me the knowledge that I don't even know yeah. sometimes. And, you know, I do have to, to end this with saying that I believe that you and I have become such, I'm not going to say spiritual beings. I'm not even going to like go that far, but you know, we spent a lot of our college years getting stoned, going to the mountains, taking in our surroundings. And I think yeah. that's why we look at it so differently than others. And I think that's why, not that I've persuaded anyone, but I think that's why we've gotten people to see what we see and feel yeah. what we feel. Yeah. So when you don't shove it down people's throats and you just live by example. I'll actually leave you with this quote. If you're wrong, say something. If you're right, say nothing. I fucking love it. And I fucking love you, Lizzie. Thank you <laughs> so much you. for coming on the so vibe and for being a vibe. I love you. And I really want to come to the West Coast ASAP. Come. I will. Where can people can follow you at? Follow me. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I thought you No, no, not answer. actually literally. Like in the my world. address? No. Oh, um, Lizard Cozy. Cool. Great. But yeah, I'm not really active on there. Honestly, I love real, genuine conversations like this and you. And I feel grateful that we can even have this and we're alive to have technology like this. That during a time we can connect and feel the vibe. But hundred percent. Um. Yeah, dude. I'm looking forward to a future with you of justice in the cannabis space, growth in the collective consciousness, enlightenment. And a ton of getting high and then elevating that consciousness. And that's where we leave it, people. I love you so much. I love you. Thanks for listening to The Vibe, guys.